Good morning. How are you? Hey, brother. Good to see everybody. It is a great, great day. We're going to have, yeah, it's going to be good. I like amens. Those are all right. So good to see you. Welcome. Welcome to our first, uh, today is Resurrection Sunday, so that's pretty exciting, and it's going to be a good one. I don't know exactly what the Lord's got planned, but I can tell you this, it's going to be good, and uh, it's going to be awesome, and I'm so happy to have you here, so glad to have everybody joining us. Uh, today, we're starting our discipleship class, and uh, we, we, it's very simple. It, it kind of goes like this. Uh, we were, I was doing, reading an article by Andrew Womack, and uh, he was saying in there, he said, what if there, were, uh, one, there was one person that went and won, let there be light. There we go, amen. I'm just acting like my daddy. <laughs> they hit the lights back there, and it's, it, they're alive, let me tell you. Um, so anyway... He said, what if there was one uh, person that won 1,000 souls to Christ every year for 20 years? Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be 20,000 people that would be born again. Maybe. You know, you, you, you don't really know if they're making a decision with their heart and believing with their heart, but that would still be awesome, wouldn't it? So at the end of 20 years, you'd have 20,000 people. But see, God knew what he was talking about when he said, go therefore and make disciples. I think we need to turn the monitors back just a touch. He said, go and make disciples. Because here's the thing. If that same one person, if they just won, uh, not necessarily won them to the Lord, but made two disciples, which means they had to be one to the Lord. They had to be born again. If they made two disciples per year, and those two disciples being actually disciplined after Christ and disciples for Christ, then they did and fulfilled the Great Commission and they made two disciples each year the next year. And they did that for 20 years. At the end of 20 years, there's nobody left on earth to be born again because they're all saved. So Christ knew what he was talking about when he said make disciples. So this morning, we want to jump in. How do we become disciples? Because here's the thing, it's like, you know, who read the latest book on exactly what to do to be an ex a disciple? Well, we have the Bible, but we've had the Bible for years, but you don't see people doing being a disciple. So Andrew has written a curriculum called the Complete Discipleship Evangelism Course. Pretty thick, awesome, very self-explanatory, very easy. And as soon as I saw this and I started reading in it, I love Andrew's teaching. He's always on point. In the word, he, the word is, is king to him. And so what we wanted to do was say, hey, let's start this course in discipleship. Let's all grow and become disciples and learn how to disciple. And the great thing about this particular course is you don't have to be a biblical scholar. You can be a discipler simply by picking up that book and reading the lessons. And that's what we're going to begin today. And so if you would, we'll get started. So today is lesson number one, and the name of the lesson is Eternal Life. And, and this is the ease of being a discipler. These are, this is some of the material that we can use in small groups. This is material that you can use at your work. And it's very simple. I'm going to show you how easy it is. It doesn't, you don't have to be a great speaker or orator. 
You just have to know how to read and love God and want to do something for Him. Amen? So, Andrew says, One of the most familiar passages of Scripture is John 3.16. It seems like everybody knows that verse from a young age, yet I believe it has really been misunderstood and misapplied. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Traditionally, this scripture has been used to teach that Jesus came and died for our sins so that we wouldn't perish. As true as this is, this verse is saying that the real purpose of Jesus coming to this earth and dying for us was so that we could have everlasting life. It just so happened that our sins were a barrier that stood between us and everlasting life. It is true that Jesus did die for our sins, and it's true that if we believe on Jesus, we will not perish. But there is much more to the gospel or the good news than that. The real message of the gospel is that God wants to give you everlasting life. Now let me explain that. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus was praying and he said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. That's John 17, 3. This says that everlasting life is knowing the Father, the only true God, and knowing Christ whom he has sent. That's what everlasting life is. Many people think that everlasting life is living forever. Well, every person lives forever. It's a misconception to think that when a person dies, they cease to exist. The spirit and soul go back to God. The body decays in the grave. <clears throat> the truth is, every person who has ever lived on the face of the earth will continue to live in spirit form. Do you get that? So to, say, so to say that eternal life is living forever is not the whole truth. Now, I'm, I'll just throw in here, some people live in heaven and they're really living. Some people leave, live a spiritual, what we would call a spiritual death in hell. Okay? But they're still living. The difference is location. The difference is, do they know God and are they connected to him? He said, the truth is, every person who has ever lived on the face of the earth will continue to live in spirit form. So to say that eternal life is living forever is not the whole truth. Everybody lives forever. This verse makes it very clear that eternal life with God is not automatically given to everyone. Some people would say eternal life is living forever in heaven versus living forever in hell. But eternal life is just what Jesus said in John 17, 3. To know God. That's what I was saying. To know him and Jesus Christ. It's more than intellectual knowledge. The word know is used throughout scripture to describe the most intimate personal relationship that you can have. The real purpose of salvation is not living forever in heaven. <gasps> Shocker. It's really, that's not what it's for. It's to know God. As great as that will be, the real purpose of salvation is to have intimacy, a personal relationship with the Lord God. I'd say it here in Boomerang, to have a reset fellowship. 
If you saw that series, if you participated in that, or you can go back and watch it, that's what that's talking about, is to live in a reset, personal, intimate relationship with God. There are multitudes of people who have cried out to God for the forgiveness of their sins, but have never had intimacy with God as a goal. By not explaining the real purpose of salvation, we are doing a disservice to the gospel. When we present salvation as something that deals with just spiritual things, that will only benefit us in the future. In eternity, we are not helping people. There are some people, you think about this. See, I, I'm going to try not to preach all over Andrew, but think about this. When Jesus came, he said, the kingdom has come now. I came to give you life. And he wasn't just talking about eternity. If he was just doing that, he wouldn't have healed anybody. He wouldn't have brought any answers to any people. He wouldn't have helped them get delivered from, from demonic forces and stuff like that. But he came that they could have the realization of a personal, intimate relationship with the Father right now. That's what he came to do. There are some people who are living in such a literal hell right now on earth. Many are depressed, living in poverty, dealing with strife, rejection, hurt, and failed marriages. People are just trying to survive day to day. They are just trying to keep their heads above water by making, a, by making salvation something that deals only with the future. Many people put off that decision because they are just too busy just trying to survive today. Let me say that again because this really taps into what we're here for, okay? By making salvation something that deals only with the future, many people put off that decision because they are too busy just trying to survive today. The truth is that Jesus not only came to affect our eternal destinies so that we can live forever in heaven in blessing instead of punishment and the curse of hell, but Jesus also came to deliver us from the present, this present evil world. That's in Galatians 1.4. Jesus came to give you intimacy and a personal relationship with God the Father today. Jesus came to bring you back into close personal relationship with him Jesus loves you Jesus wants you to, to wants to know you personally Jesus wants to give you a quality of life that is greater than anything you could obtain through any other source Jesus put it this way in John 10:10 10, 10, the thief speaking of Satan cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. God wants to give you eternal life. God wants to give you abundant life. And I believe that you need that today, that you want that. Christ died not only to forgive your sins, but to bring you close to Him. If you don't know the Lord, you need to know Him for that purpose. If you've already been born again, you need to go beyond just getting your sins forgiven and enter into everlasting life with the Father. Amen? Amen. So here's some facts about eternal life. Alright, number one, sir? Amen. Number one, the purpose of the gospel is eternal life. You know, most people say, it's just to separate me from my sins or, or to forgive me of my sins. But that's just to get you to the place of eternal life. The real goal was eternal life. That was the goal. 
And that eternal life is not in the future, but it's now. Eternal life is knowing God. That's John 17, 3. Knowing God is an intimate relationship. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 and 17. Eternal life is available now, and God wants a personal relationship with you. So here's some discipleship questions, and uh, let, let's go over these. I need somebody to look up uh, John 3.16. Somebody else? Who's got John 3.16? Miss Deb, got it. Who's got Genesis 4.1? Barrett, awesome. John 17.3. Seth, Seth, got it? Uh, we'll just go with King James, it's fine. John 17.3, Seth's got it. 1 John chapter 5, 11 and 12. Who's got that? All right, good, Miss Sharon. First John five eleven and twelve, and then John ten ten. All right, thank you, Chris. Okay, so let's look at this first. Let's put up John three sixteen, and here are some discipleship questions. What was the purpose of God sending Jesus into the world? And what we want to do is not just answer out of our head, but let's look at Scripture and answer what was the purpose. So, who had John three sixteen? Come on up. <laughs> she said, "Uh oh, <laughs> that's awesome." I'm a little concerned about that. We have to. <laughs> I think have she, to talk I think, after service. I think it just hit her that she's going to come up here when she reads oh, her scripture. Not that I'm the uh oh. Right, right, Praise right. God. Yeah, you're you're not the uh oh. <laughs> you're delivered. Thank you. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, what was the purpose of God sending Jesus into the world? As we look at that, what was the purpose there? That whoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Right. Uh, to put it technically here, we would say, to save the world, looking at this scripture, to save not just Christians, but he really wants everybody saved. Now, not everybody's going to choose them. But to save the world, giving all who believe on Jesus everlasting life by removing sin's penalty. Okay? All right, so let's look at question number two. Thank you, ma'am. Yep. The, <clears throat> the biblical usage, whoever had Genesis 4.1, I think Barrett, come on up. The biblical usage of the word know means to have an intimate, personal relationship with the person. Genesis 4.1. So let's read that real quick. Genesis. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So when it says, and we see this word all throughout Scripture, we see it, see it again in the New Testament, the Old Testament, when it says to know, it's talking about, that's, that's a pretty intimate situation, right? Mm -hmm. All right? This is the intimacy that we are to have with God. Yeah. This kind of spiritual intimacy that's on this kind of level. That's a little shocking to our uh, politically correct mind. But this, in this, is the power of God because it's leading us to knowing the Father, living in reality of an eternal life. So, read John 17, 3. Come on up. What is eternal 
everlasting life according to this verse. So let's read that. And this is life eternal that they may know they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Amen. So eternal life is what is eternal and everlasting life according to this verse? That they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. So eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ, not physically. Listen, not physically, but intimately by the Spirit. Amen? All right, thank you. All right, let's read 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Come on up, Sharon. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life and that life is in his Son. 12. He that have the Son have life, and he that have not the Son of God have not life. Amen. So the question is this, when does eternal and everlasting life begin? What would you say? When we know God. When we know God. Amen. It says this, when we receive the Son, Jesus Christ, into our lives, it opens up the door for us to have eternal life. Amen. Thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> not oh, no. All right, John 10.10. 10. Mr. Chris, sporting the kilt. Sweet. It says, the thief comes, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that they might have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Amen. So it says this, what kind of life did Jesus come to give us? Abundant life. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. This is question five. Is explain in your own words the qualities or attributes of an abundant life. So just think about that for a second. What are the qualities or attributes of an abundant life? And based, based off of John 10.10, 10, let me just give you, if the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, now we're going to do the opposite of that. So abundant life is the opposite of stealing, killing, and destroying. Okay, that's, what, that's how one way that you can describe it is, I came to do exactly opposite of that. I want to give overwhelmingly to you in every way, any way that you can think. He, he told us this. He said, I want to do more abundantly than you can ask or think. Okay? This is, in other words, what he wants to give to you and do for you, he wants to do it in such an abundance, it's beyond what you're even capable of imagining. All right, question six. Do you believe that God sent his son Jesus into the world to die for the sins of the world, thereby giving us who believe eternal everlasting life do you believe that amen that's good verse 7 is it clear to you that eternal everlasting life is not only a length of time eternity but a quality and quantity of life let me ask that again that's it that's a very good question is it clear to you that eternal and everlasting life is not only a length of time eternity but a quality and a quantity of the life of God. Yeah, amen. And that right there will open up your eyes to what we're supposed to be living, right? So today, on the first class on discipleship is eternal life 
And on lesson number two, discipleship number two, next week is salvation by grace. And we're going to go into that. And so, Lord, we thank you right now. Let's, let's just all stand up real quick. Just think about this for a moment. Just think about this. God gave His Son so that you could know Him. So that you could know Him. So that you could know Him. How great is that? How much praise and worship and honor and how much of our life should we give towards that? And right now, just let, let the praise of your heart come out. Let the worship of God just... Lord, we thank You for eternal life. Lord, we thank You that we can know You. Lord, we thank You that we don't, we're not held back by You. We're not, we don't have Your back toward us. We don't have Your hand in front of us. Lord, we have Your heart open to us to envelop us in eternal life. Lord, right now, we just, in Jesus' name, we believe on Your Son. We confess Him as Lord of our lives. Lord, he, He's not just the Savior alone. He's our Lord. He's the Director of our lives. We do what He wants us to do. We let Him choose, make the decisions, and we live by His leading. You are Lord, Jesus. You are the Lord of our lives. And we believe that you died for us and that God brought you back to life for us and raised us up with you so that we could have an intimate personal knowledge, a knowing of you, a relationship with you, Father, through Jesus Christ. We believe that. We receive that. We receive righteousness and salvation through it. And Father, we praise you. Lord, thank you for an abundant, eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Get ready. We're going to have a great service. Thank you for joining us.